Pastor Xavier Reese says godly living is dependent upon living the simple truths of God's Word. The church is messed up, ladies and gentlemen. You get to choose which church you want to be in. The messed up one or the one that belongs to Jesus. How are you going to know which one it is? The Word of God. Not the pastor. Not the place. The Word of God. It's a transforming you. Our only hope is Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. Are you a child of God? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What started as a narrative about a Levite from the hill country of Ephraim obtaining a concubine from Bethlehem that turned unfaithful shortly before leaving him altogether suddenly turned into nothing short of a horror story some have even described as Israel, Sodom, and Gomorrah. As he concludes our series in the book of Judges, Pastor Xavier drives home the simple truth that by human efforts at law-keeping, man will never achieve righteousness. He will only demonstrate his lack of righteousness and need for salvation most of all. Let's listen. Judges 19, we're going to look at verses 1 through 28. And the message is entitled, Immorality Equates a Dangerous Society. The last five chapters of the book of Judges are considered to be an appendix book as, to the book of Judges, as you know, revealing the general degeneracy that existed during the entire time of the book of Judges. As we have seen, even as Jephthah uh, offered up his daughter in a vow with a burnt offering, this is the type of period that we're talking about. Why? Because people got away from the word of God. People began to live the way they want to and still call themselves the people of God. And so what we want to focus on in chapter 19, verse 1 through 28, the account of the Levite with his concubine who suffered a brutal death at Gibeah, and it unfolds for us in three movements. First, we have the Levite reconciled to his unfaithful concubine in verse 1 through 9. Secondly, the Levite departed home with his concubine in verses 10 through 21. And then thirdly, the Levite participated in the abusive murder of his concubine. Verse 1 and 2, notice the general information regarding the Levite and his concubine is given to us. The period of the time was the time of the judges, and it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel, no authority, no headship, no leadership. The time was one of spiritual and political corruption and confusion. The Levites resided in the remote mountain of Ephraim, notice, north of Jerusalem about 25 miles or so. And the Levite took for himself a concubine from Bethlehem, it tells us in verse 1, in Judah. The sons of Aaron, as you know, they were commanded to marry virgins of their own people. Here you have a priest. A priest is a go-between God and man who's doing the work of God, and yet he's living a debauched life. In verse 2, the Levite was tolerating marital unfaithfulness to an extent. Her sin, she played the harlot against him. Her flight is to her father's house in Bethlehem, and the duration is for four months. He's kind of just kicking it. You know, it's just no urgency. There's no urgency in this matter. It's just life as usual. Jesus says they'll be drinking and giving in marriage and fornicating and doing what they want, like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah before the days of the Lord. We see this today. Even the church is going with the political correctness, with the corruptness of the world, with the amoral standard to not to offend anybody. Listen, some of you need to be offended by the word of God that you know that you're in darkness, that you need to repent from your sin. 
That God wants to save you and, and, and clean you up and do for you what you cannot do for yourself by the grace of God. Look at 3 and 4. The specific information as to the Levites to pursue his concubine is given. The intent of the Levite was to be reconciled. It sounds so good, so sanitized. He took the initiative. Great. Then her husband arose, went to her, spoke kindly to her to bring her back, having a servant, a couple of donkeys with him. She responds to his kindness in verse 3 also. She brought him into her father's house. There's no offense. There's no nothing. It's just like, like if they're happily married. Verse 4, the father was very hospitable. Told him to make himself at home. He stayed with them three days. So they ate, they drank, they lodged there. This is what this priest does. There's no holiness. There's no talk of God. Except one time he mentioned it. What an abomination that is. Living the way he's living. And yet he says he's affiliated with the Lord. Wow. Look at 5 through 10a. The attempt by the father to delay his daughter from leaving is given to us. In verse 5, the father offered the Levite to stay longer. The two were going to get up early and get started before the sun would come up. They could travel far and long. Then it came to pass on the fourth day that they arose early in the morning and he stood to depart. And the two were enticed to stay. But the young woman's father said, to his uh, son-in-law, refresh your heart with the morsel of bread and afterwards go your way. The Levi and father-in-law here began to drink. They sat down, the two of them ate and drank. They do a lot of this in this, the narrative here. The father-in-law pressed and convinced the Levi to spend the night again. The Levi was about to leave and ate. He rose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart, and the father-in-law was insistent again. But the young woman's father said, please refresh your heart. They gave in again, notice. So they delayed until the afternoon, and both of them, what they do? They ate. That's all they did. There is no concept of God. There is no belief in God. There is no belief in anything but self. Notice second, 10 through 21, the Levite departed home with his concubine. In 15, the journey took them to Gibeah. He went north uh, from Bethlehem. The first city they came was the pagan city. They arose, they departed, they came opposite Jebus, Jerusalem. The travelers were indicated with him. The two saddle donkeys, the concubine also with him. Jerusalem was about five miles north of Bethlehem. And the servants recommended, notice them, to turn here to Jerusalem. In verse 11, a servant. The night was overtaking them. They were near Jebus, and the day was far spent. Now, Jebus is Jerusalem. When Joshua came in the land, they, they conquered Jebus, but they get back to the Jebusites. Here they are. It'll be conquered and taken by David. The night was dangerous for travel. Verse 11 there at the end. The servant said to his master, Come please, let us turn aside into the city of Jebusites and lodge in it. Night travel, you have the thieves, everything else. In verse 12, the Levi rejected Jerusalem. Notice the word but marks the sharp contrast. But his master said to him, the reason was they were Gentile. Listen to his words. We will not turn aside here into the city of foreigners who are not of the children of Israel. We will go to the Gibeonites. 
Well, they were acting. They were living just like immoral Gentiles. They were living just like Gentiles. Worse than the Gentile. We're going to see. That's what's going on in the church today. People are calling themselves Christian, but they're not living like Christians. Look at 13 through 15. The Levite wanted to stay in Jewish cities. He chose two. So he said to his servant, Come, let us draw near to one of the places and spend the night in Gibeah or in Ramah. Gibeah was about another three miles from Jerusalem, Ramah a little further. So the night was upon them, in verse 14, so they passed by and went their way, and the sun went down on them near Gibeah, which belonged to Benjamin. They turned into Gibeah, verse 15, but were shown no hospitality. The people of God would be hospitable. The whole Middle Eastern philosophy we're going to see. Ramah was too far to reach. They turned aside there to go into Lodge at Gibeah, and the sojourners were ignored here. Notice in verse 15 at the end. And when he went in, he sat down in the open, in the open square of the city, for no one would take them into the house to spend the night. The people of God were very cordial, very amicable. They were supposed to be loving to the stranger, help them. Everything's different now in the time of Judges. In 16 through 21, the hospitality came from one man in Gibeah. The man is identified in four ways in verse 16. He suddenly appeared just then. His age, an old man. His business, he came in from work in the field at evening. His origin, who also was from the mountain of Ephraim, just like this Levite. Notice the man engaged the travelers in conversation. In verse 17, he lifts his gaze. And when he raised his eyes, he saw the travelers in the open square of the city. Probably shocked. What are they doing there? Because he knows what goes on at night in Gibeah. We have another account we'll get to, Sodom and Gomorrah, with Lot, identical. He inquires as to their destiny and origin. The old man says, where are you going and, and where do you come from? The man was answered by the Levite in 18. He communicated where he was going. So he said to him, we are passing from Bethlehem, house of bread, to Judah, towards the remote mountains of Ephraim. He identified himself as an Ephraimite. I am from there. He stated his travel. I went to Bethlehem in Judah. He stated he was going to the, here's a kicker, the tabernacle. Now I am going to the house of the Lord Yahweh. He charged the city with being inhospitable to give him temporary shelter for the night. But there is no one who will take me into his house. In the 19, the Levite explained they had adequate provisions for their by their own. In other words, they weren't here to beg or anything. For their animals, he says, although we have both straw and fodder for our donkeys, for themselves, bread and wine for myself and my female servant, and for the young man who is with uh, your servant, there is no lack of anything. So they're just looking kind of a little shelter for the night, just to be taken in. And the old man offered them hospitality in verse 20 and 21. In 20, he took them into his house. The old man said, peace be with you. However, let all your needs be my responsibility. Only do not spend the night in the open square. The same kind of words as in Sodom and Gomorrah with Lot. He provided for their needs, so he brought him into his house and gave fodder and, to the donkeys, and they washed their feet and ate and drank. 
First Peter 4, 9 says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Do you have people over your house? Maybe God would bring one of you women, a young girl that's going through some stuff in their marriage. Just, you know what, come on over. And we'll have some coffee and pray. And, and you lay hands on her and you encourage her. You point her in the right direction. Maybe one, one of you men do the same with another man and share. You minister, you lay hands on them. You encourage them in the Lord. Galatians 5.13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for your flesh, but through love serve one another. Joy, Jesus first. Oh, other second. You, last. Why? <laughs> do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels unaware. Hebrews 13, 2. The Levite departed home with his concubine. No big deal. Like any other day. Life as usual. Wow. Notice thirdly, verse 22 to 28. The Levite participated in the abusive murder of his concubine. In 22, the house of the old man was approached by a group of men of the city. The circumstances are described. When it took place, as they were enjoying themselves. How it occurred? Suddenly, certain men of the city. Who were the men? Perverted men. That's one of the adjectives. There's going to be more. What took place? They surrounded the house and they beat the door. They're not trick-or-treating. The vile words of the men are recorded. Listen carefully. The words were directed to the resident Ephraimite. They spoke to the master of the house, the old man. The words were vile, underline it, saying, bring out the men who came to your house that we may know them or him carnally. The word carnally are in italics, meaning it's not the original text, but it's put in there so you understand to know, means sexually, to sodomize them. Look at 23 through 24, at the end of 23. The old man went outside to dissuade the homosexuals. The old man placed himself between the hostile men and his guests. But the man of the master of the house went out to them and said to them, notice the immediate objection was stated, no. My brethren, I beg you, do not act, here's another adjective, so wickedly evil. The reason was stated, seeing this man has come into my house and do not commit this, here's another adjective, outrage. The alternate choice given by the old man, verse 24, he offered them the women. Look, here's my virgin daughter and the man's concubine. Let me bring them now. Wow. You figure, that's terrible. It is terrible. But it goes to show how terrible the other sin is. That if something's going to happen, they chose the lesser over the greater evil. Pretty abominable. He indicated what the man would be doing. Listen, humbling them. Humble them and do to them as you please. The Bible is very clear. When a man has sex with a woman who's not married to him, he humbles her. He sternly opposed their vile request. But to this man, do not do such a, here's another one, vile thing. Now, you either accept the record of what's being here or you are just in denial and you are too politically correct. Which is it? Look at 25 through 28. The Levite took matters into his own hands. For 25, he handed his concubine over to the homosexuals. They refused to be stopped. But the men would not heed him. So the man 
took his concubine and brought her out to them, and they gang-raped her. It says, and they knew her and abused her all night until morning when the day began to break. They let her go. She died under the vile abuse of these men. 26, she returned. Then the woman came as the day was dawning. You can only imagine the horror and the fear of that woman that night. She sought help. She fell down by the door of the man's house where her master was till it was light. Let's break our heart. The Levite was indifferent when her master rose in the morning and opened the door of the house and went out to go his way. There was his concubine falling to the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. And he said to her, Get up! Let us be going. But there was no answer. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the book of Judges. And if you think we're not, you're crazy. The confusion and corruption of the sexes under the name of freedom and choices and self-expression has corrupted our children. The hateful opposition against Christianity, marriage between a man and a woman, is historical and traditionally the very nucleus of society. The sin of homosexuality is an unnatural sin that is called by God an abomination. Anyone who tries to say the Bible and God does not condemn it is not being honest to the plain language of the Bible and the historical examples. They're dishonest, they're liars. The word abomination means abhorred, the detest to count filthy. There are many things called abominable. Homosexuality is gone very, very, very clear. Listen, if a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. Leviticus 20, verse 13. Only one of many. In Genesis 19, 4 through 11, listen carefully, Sodom and Gomorrah is a historical fact. Now, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house, and they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came in to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Sodomize them. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. Protection. And they said, Stand back. Then they said, This one came to stay here and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. So the men reached out, meaning the angels, their hands, and pulled Lot into the house with them. And they shut the door and they struck the men who were outside the door, the homosexuals in the house, with blindness, both small and great. And so they became weary trying to find a door. They are so driven by their perverted lust that even though they can't see, they're trying to find that stinking door. Look around you in America. Getting bolder. More power. The New Testament has the same testimony. Listen carefully. First, in Romans chapter 1, verse 26 to 27, Paul declared the willful choosing of corruption, the natural for the unnatural. 
For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Nature is man with woman, woman with man. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their own lusts one for another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving to themselves a penalty of their error which is due, proper. It's fitting their penalty they receive. God says this, not me. Paul includes homosexuality as one of the sexual sins that men and women must repent from. Listen carefully. He says, do you not know that unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Because a homosexual is one who believes that they're in the wrong body. A sodomite is not necessarily a homosexual, but that's what they do. Okay? There's a big distinction. All right? Knowing this, 1 Timothy 1, 9 through 11, that the law is not made for righteous people, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly, for sinners, for the unholy, the profane, for murders, for fathers and murders of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there's any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. That's how you judge according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. Jude states it this way, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner as these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after the strange flesh, are set forth an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Sodom and Gomorrah, strange flesh, men with men. Simple. Those that attempt to redefine the words of this text and any other are just plain dishonest, attempting to make their sinful lifestyle as culturally right or relative. Foolishness. Sin is a choice, ladies and gentlemen, be it fornication, adultery, drunkenness, homosexuality. It must be repented from if you call yourself a Christian. Our only hope is Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. Have you forgotten where he took you from? And he set your feet on a solid ground, gave you a new heart, filled you with the Spirit of God. These hands that used to hit people now worship God. This body that used to abuse, now it's present before God. Have we forgotten that it's God who has done it? Are we going to turn our backs on him? God help us. The Levite participated in the abusive murder of his concubine. One who was the people of God. Wow. What a contradiction. The Levite reconciled his unfaithful concubine. Oh, on the surface, it looks so good. So okay. What a nice guy. He's corrupt, immoral. The Levite departed home with his concubine. Everything's all great. We're just going back to normal lifestyle. Oh, there were people worse than him. The Levite participated in the abusive murder of his concubine. All he cared about was himself. Man. How I thank God for the book of Judges, man. What a strong warning to us. The church is messed up, ladies and gentlemen. You get to choose which church you want to be in. The messed up one or the one that belongs to Jesus. How are you going to know which one it is? The Word of God. Not the pastor. A place, the Word of God. Is it transforming you? Are you a child of God? 
Pastor Xavier Reese and a call away from corruption, immorality, and selfish living of the world and toward the way of the God of grace and true freedom. And this message titled, Immorality Equates a Dangerous Society, is available on CD upon request for just $4. Having your own copy allows you to review the study again at your own pace. Plus, we'll be able to include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, Immorality Equates a Dangerous Society. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com